My name is John Chafee. I was trained as a pastor and this is one of the ways in which I try to do something good with that education. This is Begin Again. So if you are looking for a nuanced or interesting take on the Jesus tradition and all of its wisdom and all of its perplexity and mystery, then you found the right place. I sincerely hope that this helps you to rethink some things, to maybe grow in your own way for health and holiness, for your benefit and for the benefit of those around you. So again, welcome to Begin Again. Uh, well, today I'm in 1 p.m. in Philadelphia, but today we have Terry who's at 10 a.m. in Arizona. I don't think I know where you're where you are though in Arizona. Well, my wife and I live uh, south of Phoenix ah. in a town called Maricopa. We live on the traditional traditional lands of the Pima and the Tohono O'odham. That's incredible. Yeah. I've only been to Phoenix once or twice before but um for those that don't know can i ask how would how would you introduce yourself to people that maybe don't know of your work or what you do well i'm i'll open up with a very short uh greeting in ojibwe uh bujuniji bamadazig terry wildman and Nishnakaz. so i said hello my friends who share this life together with me my name is terry wildman so I was born and raised in Michigan. My ancestry includes Ojibwe from Ontario, Canada, Yaqui from Sonora, Mexico, as well as English, German, and Spaniard. So I'm married to Darlene Wildman. I have five children, eight grandchildren, three great-grandchildren. My wow. wife and I currently, currently live in Maricopa, Arizona, and we live, as I said, on the traditional lands of the Tohonotham and the Pima. So that's wow. a short introduction. A short introduction? I didn't know you had that big of a family tree. Looking at your website, I didn't know that. But my goodness, you've got great-grandchildren. That's cool. Yes, sir. Um, so I first came across Terry and, and his work because I was fascinated to find out that there's a First Nations version of the New Testament. And I was fascinated by it. I've only spent some time around at least the Navajo. And I have some friends that have spent some good time up in Standing Rock. And so there's, there's been a little bit of a touching of cultures, even though I'm all over on the East Coast. Mm -hmm. And I have to say, I read the, I ordered this and I read this version of the New Testament in less than a week. Um, it might have actually been about four days. And I found it to be one of the most refreshing and profound translations of the New Testament. And if it's okay... I have a number of questions. I, I would love to talk to you about that, but how long did it take? I mean, what what was your part in the process? Because I understand you were the head of this translation. Yeah, it's 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 actually a, a story that goes goes back to two to about two thousand three. My wife and I were living on the Hopi Indian Reservation in northern Arizona. We'd been there for a number of years. And I was learning a lot about uh, what it means to be native because I wasn't raised in my native culture. And so I was reconnecting and the Hopis were helping me do that. But also I had made other connections with my own ancestry, some with Yaki and also mostly with the Ojibwe or the Anishinaabe, which means the real people. Sorry about the rest of you, but uh, <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, most of our native uh, names and uh, what we call ourselves is the people. It's just very, very simple. That's what most of our names mean. But um, so we lived, we were living on Hopi and I was trying to tell the story of Jesus. Mm. And I would, I would get in the Hopi jail and I would talk to the men and, and sometimes the women who would, who would, who were willing to come in, they were so bored in jail, they would come to our meetings. But I, I really struggled to get this message across we were using the NIV Bible and mm -hmm. it just wasn't connecting. I could tell, you know, and so uh, e eventually I, I started experimenting with some things. Oh, cool. I, I thought to myself, what if we 
what if we just reworded some things to make it more native friendly, to make it more relatable to mm -hmm. some of these uh, guys, uh, you know, these Hopi and Navajo guys were, were in jail. So that's what we I started to do. And, and they came alive. Matter of fact, really? they wanted, yeah, they wanted to help me do it. So this you know, kind of started, it has roots in jail ministry. Yeah, yeah, jail on the Hopi reservation. But, all, huh. but also, you know, I had found this Hopi Bible when I was pastoring a church at, uh, um, on the Hopi res. Uh, they had been there 100 years, a mission church. And so I, I found this, this case of New Testaments written in the Hopi language, right? I'm all excited. Everybody else, everybody's using NIV. We jokingly called it the New Indian version. Oh, uh, man. <laughs> but when I found this Hopi Bible, I was excited. I, I had to find somebody to read it. I, I want to hear what it sounds like translated directly over from Hopi. Mm -hmm. And so I took it to some of our uh, the people who attend our church. And, and I said, oh, look, how come we're not using this? And I found out that almost no one could read it. Why is that? Well, the the boarding schools, which all of our native young people were taken to, most of our native young people weren't teaching us English or they, were, they weren't oh, teaching us our language or how to read our language. They were forcing us to speak English. Oh, they didn't man. want us speaking our language. So why would they teach us how to read in our language? And what we found out was that this is true all across North America. All these Bibles translated by one section of the church. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Where they didn't know in a negative way what their right hand from their left hand. This group over here is helping take away our language. This group over here is trying to translate the Bible into our languages. So today, because of the success of this colonial experiment and the success of the boarding schools, over 95% of our people can, do not speak their language, let alone read oh. our languages. And so here I found myself in a place in, with some research where I found out these Bibles aren't being used. So our native aren't, people aren't hearing the story of Jesus mm -hmm. in a heart language way. Wow. And so I thought, you know, I, I didn't know what to do about it, except that I was already working with these men and experimenting with this idea of uh -huh. rewording it in English. In so English. were you writing it and keeping pages of your own translation of this? Yeah. What, what, what I was doing was I would take my favorite scriptures. <laughs> and actually, I started out with Psalm 23, you know. Of course. And, and I tried out Psalm 23 in, 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 in our ministry, and the guys loved it. Oh. Yeah. You know, we used and It was really simple. We didn't make huge changes. Uh -huh. We just made some changes that were important to connect to a native way of hearing and using English um, uh, that mm -hmm. came from our elders and came from our ancestors as English was forced upon us. So so we, we just I began experimenting with this. This was around 2003. I mm -hmm. think it was. I didn't think there would I would ever translate the New Testament. Really? The, oh. Oh, yeah, it didn't even enter my mind. I thought there's got to be someone out there already doing this, right? Oh. There wasn't. And it took me eight years before I finally <laughs> said, nobody's doing this. And people, I kept doing it. I kept uh -huh. recording uh -huh. it. And eventually, as I, uh, my wife and I began to travel doing cross-cultural uh, evangelism. I don't oh, okay. Know I don't like to use that term anymore. It's it's, mm -hmm. it's a loaded term. But anyway, we're right. sharing the story of Jesus. Then we would do it through our music, and we call it storytelling. And we take these portions of Scripture. My wife would play the beautiful native flute in the background, and I would read these portions of Scripture reworded for native people in English. Oh. And when I started getting the responses were, were amazing. Um, but again... And, and one native elder says, you say it to me, 
in English, you said you're saying it in English the way we think it in our language. That's so beautiful. Yeah. And another native person said, you, um, uh, what Bible were you reading from? And I said, well, I wasn't reading from a Bible. This is just something I'm experimenting with and working with. And they said, well, there should be a Bible like that, you know? And this was Uh the kind of feedback we were getting. So eventually I said, yes. And that was about, uh, 2012, you know? And from what I understand, you also had a, a group of people that came along to be a part of this with you. I mean, I read the obviously I read the beginning of this that introduces how you went about this process. Right. So as I tra- as my wife and I traveled and we began to share these portions of scripture, we're meeting new people everywhere we travel. We traveled for 10 years in an RV uh, travel trailer, <laughs> visiting uh, state after state. I reservation. love it we would help churches make connection to their local local tribes and things like that and then we would share these scriptures and the native people would really respond in a good way to the to this we've never heard it this way before right and and so so as we traveled uh uh we made friends and so what happened was um a lot of these friends began to help me word things. I began mm-hmm. to, uh, mm-hmm. when I made this commitment, uh, the first thing we did was we did the Christmas story. Okay. Oh so yes. We, uh-huh. We made a children's book, uh-huh. the Christmas story called the birth of the chosen one. And yeah. what, the idea was let's get this out there with a, when we, and we found an artist from Japan, who's native American oh, wow. living in Japan, married to a Japanese woman. Uh, actually went there as a missionary originally, originally, and he uh, did some artwork for us. And we created this children's book with the help of many of my native friends, giving me feedback, answering questions Mm. um, uh, and things like that. Because, uh, you know, there's so many different cultures. How do we say it Mm. uh, in a way that relates to all of our cultures? Uh So we, so we just worked on that and, that children's book did really well. I self-published it and I got really great feedback. And so from there, I said, okay, for some reason, I just had it in my mind that we needed to tell the story of Jesus in a single story, not four separate stories. Mm. So I created a, a harmony called When the Great Spirit Walked Among Us. Uh, and and that, that uh, and we published that. That took me, I don't know, uh, over a year to do that, mm-hmm. uh, the, the, that, and the hardest part turned out to be not re- doing the translating work. The hardest part was harmonizing the gospels. <laughs> yeah, uh, I bet you had to. You probably did a, a nosedive in some sense into what real. I mean, scholarship has got every every translation is interpretation, and how do you go from that from the Greek to the Hebrew? And if you don't mind, I got a question. Um, yeah. As I was reading through it, I found it to be a mix of familiar and yet novel at the same time. And so for me, it was, I mean, I was born and raised in the church over on the Jersey Shore. I grew up at the beach, but these stories are embedded in me. But I felt like I was reading it for the first time. And I did exactly kind of probably what you did is... um, I flipped through and I looked for my favorite passages to see how it was phrased. And I personally, I always love to look at like Romans 11. It says, uh, for the creator brought, I should probably read it for word for word. <laughs> Actually, let me do that, right? Um, sure. But it's a beautiful passage, especially since my dad was a farm boy. And so I, that's also part of my own story. Creator has rounded up into one corral all who have failed to do what he wants so that he can show his great kindness and mercy to everyone. That was, it just rolled like poetry. But I was so fascinated because in the beginning of this, you mentioned that you chose to not use the word God, which clearly it carries so much baggage for a lot of people, mm-hmm. sometimes good and sometimes bad baggage. But I really loved it reading through even Matthew's gospel. The disciples 
called Jesus, not a rabbi, but, but a wisdom keeper. And I actually had to close it and put it down and just think on that for like a half hour because we have professors, we have scientists and we have reporters, but we don't have in Caucasian culture, wisdom roles, wisdom keepers. And I, I just, I loved it. Can you tell me how was it, um, deciding to not use the word God, to use the words wisdom keeper? It was fantastic. Well, from the beginning, I felt it was really important not to use the word God because it is not a native word. It is not a way native people mm -hmm. traditionally have ever referred to the Supreme being, you know, as God. As a matter of fact, the, 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 uh, Wycliffe translator who translated the Navajo Bible, they, uh, they, they were searching for a way to say God in mm -hmm. Navajo. Mm -hmm. And they, the, they ended up saying DN, which means the most holy one. Mm. And they added the word G-O-D to the end of it, DN God. Really? Yeah. Huh. And, so, and so a lot of the, um, so they're going, they're, they're hearing the, the one who was most holy, God. And what does God mean? to a Navajo. Right. There was no context for the word, the Germ Germanic word that has made its way into English, uh -huh. uh, or English for God. So um, the story is so funny because uh, it, 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 be it became Christmas time. And so they put up a Christmas tree and, uh, and uh, the Navajos have, have like a juniper tree that's an evergreen and, uh, and it's called Gud. The tree is called good. <laughs> oh, no. So they, go, they walk in, they go, oh, we get it now. The most holy one has got the spirit of a tree. Wow. You know? And so there was confusion. And, and, and instead mm. of helping the Native people, you know, you know, it created confusion rather than just using that word. But the same translators, when they did the Apache Bible, didn't make that mistake. And they they just used the Apache word, usin for for the creator oh. and more apaches uh, opened up quicker and faster to the gospel through reading that uh mm. translation of it or hearing it brought to them that way so um so words are, are really important and so uh we use different terms primarily the most generally way across our cultures if you go to powwows and whatever you'll hear god spoken of as creator mm -hmm. or as the great spirit mm -hmm. sometimes you'll hear grandfather as yeah. a way of addressing mm. uh addressing the supreme being but but you won't often hear at a powwow when they open in prayer you won't often hear them say god you know and so why would we want to put into a a translation oh wow uh-huh a word that that actually maybe has baggage attached to it through colonial through the colonial mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. enforcement of the gospel upon our people and so i we intentionally stayed away from words that maybe in boarding school or in the way uh, natives have been where the gospel has been brought to them they've got a, a kind of a misrepresentation of who god is so let's mm -hmm. let's just remove the 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 trigger words the things that are in the right. way and let the bible speak for itself to our people right don't let them decide themselves is this a worthy being to follow is this is 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 creator sets free jesus mm -hmm. worthy of our uh of, of, of us entrusting our life to him, yeah, you know? And so, so um, in the Bible, when it's properly brought over that way, people find there's, there's so much cultural connection oh. mm -hmm. that's already there. Uh -huh. All you got to do is put it in the right language to let that connection come through. Oh, and yeah. that's what we attempted to do. Well, I, I used to do youth ministry as a, a long stint, and I found myself becoming less attached to the vocabulary and more attached to the ideas I was trying to communicate. Because some of the kids, they don't know what the word sanctified means. 
but they don't do they need to know the word sanctified in order to be sanctified you know <laughs> it's it's uh it's right. so you talk about let's talk about cleaning up your life let's talk about those things and they they understand that i yeah. um, when i was reading through it i felt as though for lack of a better word it it read more spiritual to me personally and i think that there were parts of it that as i was going through it it actually felt as though it was more in the same tone, the same, like music. Uh, it was like in the same key as the Hebrew scriptures already are. Mm -hmm. And sometimes when you read the New Testament, it doesn't feel consistent as a vibe with the Hebrew scriptures. But I was very impressed how I felt as though I was reading the New Testament, but it felt like it was, well, it was coming from a tribal culture. Maybe that's why. Well, well, our native people are culturally spiritual. Mm. It's ingrained in us to mm -hmm. be spiritual. I've never met a native uh, person who is an atheist. Okay. Is that right? Uh, really? I've never met a native person who is an atheist. Now, I imagine there could be some out there uh, because some of us have been so assimilated, we're starting to think in in, in the way of the of our colonial people and then in, in the mm -hmm. westernized way of thinking mm -hmm. and we've lost connection to our cultural ways of thinking and so in some ways this translation what we were trying to do was was recapture that and it wasn't to me it was it was it seemed like the scripture really um came more naturally over to this way of speaking from okay. the Greek, from okay. the Hebrew. uh-huh and, and then also, uh, when you uh, look at the names of people, like in, in this here, uh, Native Americans traditionally, our names all had meanings. Well, that's also true in the Hebrew culture. Names had meanings. Uh -huh. and sometimes the meanings of the names were part of the story that was being told, like Abraham being father of many nations. Mm. And Paul mm -hmm. uses his name theologically in the book of Romans yeah. to say, yes, he is the father of many nations. And Paul uses his name to show that the many nations includes all the non-Jews. Uh -huh. Right. Okay. So, so knowing the meaning of the names in the story sometimes lends uh, insight into what's being told. In, mm. in the story mm -hmm. and so that's what we did is we looked up the hebrew meanings in the greek and the hebrew oh, meaning wow. name of, and place and and then we uh in, included we gave it a little bit of a native feel so instead of saying god sets free we said creator sets mm -hmm. free for jesus okay mm -hmm. his name yeshua um, basically means yah yahweh mm -hmm. uh delivers us or sets us free or makes us whole, you know, depending uh, on, on how you bring it out. So he set us free and made us whole. Why was he given the name creator sets free? Because he would set his people free from their bad hearts and their broken ways. Yeah. And all of a sudden his name takes on new dimension. His name actually is part of who representing mm -hmm. who he is and that's how it was with our native people our names were rep were we we were represented by our names if you knew my names or my sometimes we had multiple names if you knew my name you knew me mm. you know you knew what my place was in my tribe what my place was in my family oh, okay you know? because it was related to maybe my clan my my totem which the totem would be the, the animal on the on the totem pole that relates to my particular clan or tribe, just like the Hebrew people had the Lion of Judah, right, or or, or Benjamin the Wolf, right? Okay, yeah. so there's similarities there. These these characteristics of these animals and tribes, uh, uh, and names all blend in together as part of the story. And so when Nate, that has been the thing that I've gotten the most feedback from mm. is that native people said, when you, when one native person wrote me and said, I read, the, I opened Matthew and I read the genealogy and I weeped all the way. Oh, through. absolutely. Uh-huh. She weeped through the genealogy because it was all of a sudden, this strange foreign book was being oh. to 
how she understood names, you know? Wow. What a connecting point. Yeah. What did and, that do for you to get an email or however, maybe it was a handwritten letter that your work brought someone else to tears? How did you experience reading oh, that? Uh, yeah, it's, I couldn't, you know, it was like, okay, dream come true. <laughs> what we're trying, what we were trying to accomplish is happening. It, it's not oh. just, it's not just a theory anymore. It's not just a good idea anymore. It's actually uh, touching and changing people's perspective of who the creator is, who his son, creator sets free Jesus is. Yeah. Were there any passages that were particularly difficult? Were there any passages that you really had to dwell on for a while? Well, yeah, there, you know, in, when, when you get into Paul's letters, mm -hmm. uh, Paul is a very wordy person. <laughs> okay. Yeah. And our, our native people didn't generally, we're not big on being big, using a lot of words to convey things. Hmm. So it was a challenge to simplify Paul. Hmm. to to um and also he's talking about a lot of cultural issues he's talking about head coverings uh -huh. he's talking about should women talk in church or in the in the in the sacred family gathering mm. that's what we call the church right the sacred family which was a, a beautiful phrase the ecclesia yeah. like that it, it puts a new meaning on it. I mean, who knows what the word church means? It, it creates all kinds of imageries of steeples and buildings and cathedrals. And, you know, it seldom speaks of a family, gives a family image, mm. which is what it truly is, the oikos, the household mm. of God, the church. But anyway, um, where were we? <laughs> well, uh, you said that Paul can be wordy. And it's oh, yeah. hard to distill some of his big, big ideas. So we just, I, we had to really spend a lot of time, you know, uh, saying, what is Paul really saying here? Mm. And how can we best convey that in, in, in language, in English, in the way our native people will relate to what Paul's saying? Mm. So sometimes we, we added a little uh, in italics separate from the text. We added little explanations. Yes. Uh-huh. Okay. So we have in our native culture, we have... Things like head coverings might have been to the people of Paul's day. So we, when we when we dance at a powwow, there are rules about dancing in powwows. You have to wear your regalia to mm. dance to dance. Mm -hmm. You have to uh, to know to how to dance to the step to the beat of the drum. Um, women who dance in the powwow uh, traditionally need to have a shawl. If they don't wear the shawl, they're disrespecting the traditions of our people. Oh, wow. Only the men sit on the drum traditionally. Women stood behind the men and sang. And there's a big story behind that. People think, oh, that sounds like, you know, women are being mis uh, mistreated here. Or, or no, no, no. The women actually, in our culture, the women gave the men the drum and said, oh, you're to play this drum because you you are supposed to be uh, making the prayers and being our spiritual leaders okay and so the drum was about praying you pray on the drum you see, when you sing our songs are prayers when you dance our dances are prayers oh everything's a prayer yeah yeah oh, everything is so good. Praying. it's it's a holistic integrating spirit soul and body into um our our appealing to the creator uh, we have different dances that are for healing um, based on visions that our ancestors received a vision about you dance this certain kind of dance to, to pray for healing for the people. Oh. And so we still dance those dances today to pray for healing. So you'll find in the First Nation version, it talks about dancing our prayers in yeah. places, mm -hmm. in Ephesians, in Colossians. You know, it talks about uh dancing uh before the great spirit um you yes. know and because that's what we're doing you know um and, and it's not it's, it's it's kind of like prayer for native people wasn't about words 
Okay. Can you it say more? About, it was about um, expressing yourself in ways that go deeper than words. And with our whole being, we're expressing ourselves, our, our desire. So a dance, so you've got the drum. So the drum is the heartbeat. Think of it as the heartbeat of the entire universe or the heartbeat of the creator himself, right? Uh -huh. And so you get this heartbeat. And so you're stepping to the beat. And that means you are lining up. You are staying in step with the creator and his uh. purpose for creation. Mm -hmm. Okay. And so as you step in, 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 uh, to the drum, you're holding a prayer in your heart. Maybe a prayer for your family, maybe a prayer for this. And you want to make sure you're in step with creator when you, when you, uh, you know, oh, I see. finally lift these, these things up to creator. So every step becomes a prayer. Oh, it's, so it's even more embodied because yes. it's less verbal. Yes. Now, not to say we don't uh -huh. verbalize our prayers. We do. We, we also pray with smoke, incense, which is a biblical way of praying. Mm -hmm. uh, and often when we pray with, with incense, we'll take some tobacco and we'll put it in the fire. We'll hold it to our heart. Hold it to creator to our heart. We'll put it in the fire. But first, before we even do that, we'll take and blow into the tobacco, a sacred herb. Uh-huh. Okay. And what we're doing is we're taking part of us, our breath, part mm -hmm. of our spirit, so uh -huh. to speak, and putting it into the tobacco and offering it as a prayer to creator. That's beautiful. Absolutely. What a beautiful way to pray. But it's often silent. It's not. You don't put those words up there. It's a silent prayer. You know how it said um, in, in Matthew, how it says that, that Mary, Jesus's mother, hid these things. Oh, in her heart. heart. And yeah, I contemplated them. Mm -hmm. Right. She hid them in her heart. That's what Native people do. Um, a lot of times you might notice that Native people are wearing uh, around their neck a, a small pouch. Mm -hmm. And that pouch is called a medicine pouch. Uh, and medicine has to do with healing and good things, bringing good things. So you never tell somebody what's in your medicine pouch. That's between you and creator. And you might have, you might put objects in there that relate to somebody that you're praying for. Mm -hmm. You might put, you might even write something and put it and fold it up and put it inside there. Kind of like the Jewish people in the walls. Oh, at there. the prayer wall. Uh-huh. At the prayer wall. And, and so, so there uh, are a couple places where we used, I don't know if we used it. I don't think we used it in Mary's case, but in other places, we talked about hiding things in the medicine pouch of your heart. Oh, I have it right here. This okay. was one of the passages I looked up right away. There's yeah. a, a parable that Jesus tells, and it goes like this. This is Matthew 15, no, 13, 52. Well, just before that, they say, wisdom keeper, uh, we do understand what you're talking about, but then it says, he smiled and said to them, every scroll keeper who has learned to walk in the ways of creator's good road is like the head of a family, an elder who opens the medicine pouch of his heart, sharing the wisdom that is both new and old, bringing new understanding to the old ways. I love that <laughs> verse already. But then the idea, as you just shared, the wisdom pouch, and um, there's that brilliance that the yeah. scribe of the law is one thing, and they can talk about theology, but the disciple of the kingdom, which you phrase here differently, right. is able to bring forth both things old and new. And that's, that's just incredible. He gives new meaning to the old ways. Okay. Yeah, it, it doesn't discard the old ways. Right. It's it's doing what? It's it's representing them. Okay. Which is In what you way. did with this translation. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so good. Oh. Wow. Um, so so Native American, uh, we're traditionally we're storytellers. Okay. And these stories were told in ways that are unique to the storyteller and meaningful to the listeners, drawing from history, tradition, experience, 
and the storyteller ensures the essence of the story is preserved without the need to present a strict word-for-word -word recital of that story. So that storyteller understands that this next generation might hear it a little differently. They might need a little oh. more explanation here and there to understand these ancient traditional ways. And also sometimes there has been some changes in the traditional ways that need to be reflected into the story because things have changed. We've, we've, uh, we've taken on some new ideas and some new ways of seeing things. And that's what a, 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 a wisdom keeper does. Yeah. You know, he, he, he represents it uh, in, in a new and a good way. So a wisdom keeper is also a storyteller. But he's, he tells the story from, from that wisdom perspective. Have you encountered um, people that are not of First Nations background that have also resonated with this text? I understand that was your desired audience, your people, but have other people reached out to you yet? Oh, my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> All the time. I, get, I must get three or four letters a week, you know, from non-natives who are going, oh, who are saying the same things you said to me when you started uh-huh this interview this this gave me it was like reading the scriptures for the first time again absolutely uh, if you go on uh amazon.com and look up this look at all the reviews you know you'll hear native people are in there some people say they're native mm -hmm. some people i think are native and don't say it uh -huh. um, but others say that i'm not native but oh my gosh this is the this is amazing absolutely I, you know, so yeah, uh, it. So one of the things that we started noticing from the beginning was how it was impacting non-native people, hmm. even though our okay. primary audience for this has been our native people. But the secondary result of this is that native people have something that everyone else needs. Mm. They don't know it. Mm -hmm. They don't know it, mm -hmm. and all of a sudden. You know, uh, they read this and and they begin to connect to the way an, a native person might look at Jesus, might look at his words, might express his words. And and new, and they'll say, wow, new perspectives opened up to me that I hadn't considered before. One 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 um, person that wrote to me was a Greek scholar, <laughs> non-native. And he said when he was reading through uh, uh, in the story where Jesus, um, they go up onto the mountain and Jesus is turns. Oh, transfiguration. Water. Yeah. The transfiguration okay. story. Um, he said, one of the, the headings that I put, we put little headings on the, 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 the pericopes, the, the sections there. And the heading said, he talks to the ancestors. Yeah. Okay. Oh. And this, this Greek scholar says, Oh my gosh. When, when I saw the heading and, and looked at the story, I go, he is talking to the ancestors. <laughs> That's got to feel so validating in, in yeah. like the proper way. Yeah. And he says, I always thought it was a bad thing when I heard about Native people and, you know, and, the, you know, honoring oh, and oh, the ancestors, so ancestors. Almost like ancestor worship, you know. Uh -huh. But, you know, Native people, we don't worship our ancestors. We honor them. Yeah. You know? We honor their memory. We honor their wisdom. We, you know, we, we believe that some, that something of who they are lives in me mm. and is present to me somehow through God, through creator's wisdom, uh, that, that this mysterious thing called spirit mm. mm -hmm. is, somehow brings my ancestors to life in me yeah you know if i honor them the, the part of who they are comes alive in me yeah and so so that's not ancestor worship i'm i remember hearing the joke one time there's, there's two guys at a cemetery okay you're saying hey, you i've, I've heard this okay love, okay one's native american and one's a non-native guy right a white guy and uh, the white guy is putting flowers on the grave and the native americans bringing a plate of food to the ground. Okay. Uh -huh. And the white guy, he smirks and looks over at that native person and he says, 
do you really believe you're, that dead person can, can eat that food? And the native person looked at him and said, well, do you really believe that they can smell those flowers? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, (laughs) that's a pretty good one. Well, it, 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 people make judgments all the time. Oh, across culturally. Absolutely. Yeah. And you know, we, when we look at the Bible, the culture we come from, is a, is a way that we make judgments about what we read. Absolutely. And uh, that was one of the things, um, currently I'm a Bible professor. I, we just started our semester. And so I'm talking with this group of students that I can tell for the most part, they don't have any exposure to the Bible. So they're kind of blank slates. It's very interesting to be able to be the first person to show them how to find a Bible verse. And What's been so profound is trying to communicate to them that the Bible hits on themes that happen in every century to every group of people, all of humanity, like death and um, obviously rebirth, but then forgiving your enemies and how do you deal with mercy? What does justice look like? How, How do you deal with anger and rage and all these things? And so it's so profound to take this book and to see it be universal, if that's the way to say it, you know? Mm -hmm. And I shared with them, there are some people that read the Bible from a, what's called a soteriological, you read it for how to be saved. And then there's other people that read it from a sophiological, which means wisdom. Mm -hmm. And wisdom has been the kick for me the past while. And it's, it seems as though wisdom is embedded in First Nations culture. And yeah. that, that seems to be really one of the things that I felt this translation brought forth was actually a lot of the wisdom of the New Testament. It was just, I'm just having a great day. I love this conversation so much. <laughs> yeah. You know, in our Anishinaabe culture, Ojibwe culture, um, I met an, an Ojibwe elder in Minnesota. Uh, and he, he had become um, a, a Jesus follower. And one of the things in our stories, in our Anishinaabe stories, uh, we have about an afterlife. Uh, our Anishinaabe people believed that, that this life wasn't all there was. Mm-hmm. But, but here, here's, here's the thing that goes with wisdom and how we value wisdom. When a person dies, they believe that, that they go to, this, uh, to the banks of a great river. And they have to cross this river to get to the right place. Mm-hmm. And there are tricksters along the bank who try to trick them away from crossing the river and getting wow. to the right place and take them the wrong direction. And and our native Anishinaabe believe that if you did not live your life in the ways of wisdom and the traditions you were taught, then you wouldn't have the wisdom to avoid the tricksters. Oh, wow. Uh-huh. So wisdom was so important even to understand the afterlife. So this 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 pastor said if you will learn that that Jesus can meet you at the river's bank and he's not a trickster. He uh, has uh, all the wisdom of creator in him. Wow. He's filled with creator's wisdom and he will guide you across that lake. Mm. And what a what a what a nice way, contextual way, to present what Jesus can do, and wants to do, you know, in terms of an afterlife, but but mostly our native people weren't overly concerned with afterlife. We were concerned with how we live life now. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. How do you live life now? Because how you live life now really does affect how what's going to happen later. Mm. And, and most of evangelical theology, soteriology, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. kind of does away with that idea. Yeah, it does. It matters how we live our life. The Sermon on the Mount doesn't matter anymore. Right. And, you know, but Paul made it clear all of us, whether believer or unbeliever or whatever, are going to have to give an answer to God for how we lived our life. 
Paul makes that clear in his yeah in first the Jew and then the Gentile yeah and so it does matter how we live our life and and because because of the extreme um, how do I want to say it of the extreme streams of of uh, a burning lake of fire that we have to escape you know this 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 horrible thing it it kind of overclouds everything else and mm -hmm. and it says only jesus only by saying the right prayer believing the right things about this person are you going to be able to escape that 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 thing mm -hmm. you know that horrible thing but but if you read through the book of acts you will not find the gospel ever presented in those terms it's no, just not, not even on pentecost it's right it's not there the the word hades is only used i think once in the book of acts that's right and that's what he says he did not leave my soul in hades yeah you know david you know uh, and it's, he's talking about jesus not being left in the realm of the dead but he rose from the dead and so so uh and and heaven isn't used in the book of acts they never said what's going to happen to you uh, you know, or, or are you going to go to heaven when you die? It's not, it's not in there. And I know I'm really digging into some, so <laughs> I'm okay with that. Go for it. It's okay. okay. But the, my point is, is that, you know, a challenge I want to give people is do what the book of Acts does. Take heaven and hell out of the picture. Yeah. And then, and then how do you proclaim the gospel? Yeah, it can be proclaimed without that. Right? Can you really convince someone that they need Jesus, not just to escape some, mm -hmm. you know, some afterlife horror, but that you can that he's worthy of following because of who he is, mm -hmm. because of his love for us, because how he demonstrates his love for the marginalized, for people who. Uh, who are cast out of the regular religious, you know, tent that, that people right. uh, people live in. So anyway, I'm, I, I, I'm not trying to get theologically into universalism or anything like that. I'm just saying that message, the message of following Jesus, the, 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 the our native people have not responded well to that message. I, I would argue neither have white people. Yes. It's caused a, a, an extreme exodus by overemphasizing things that weren't emphasized by Paul. Right. Himself. Overemphasizing. That's right. Yeah. And so, and so um, when you take that away, uh, I know native people, they follow Jesus. The ones that I know that follow Jesus mm -hmm. because of who he is, because of his connection oh. to, to creator, yeah. because of, of, of his love for, and he's a healer and he stands up against those those uh those high hard ass traditionalists <laughs> <laughs> you could edit that out later if you need to. <laughs> i man you know i i pulled up um john 14 here because it seems relevant yeah. and then yeah. i have just uh uh, one more question for you, if you don't mind. Sure. So John 14, everyone knows this passage. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. But the the phrasing that you use here, I found to be very poetic. I am the great spirit's pathway, the truth about who he really is, and the life of beauty and harmony he offers to all. There is no other guide who can take you to the Father. To know me is to know my father. So from now on, you know him and have seen him. I think for me, one of the most common experiences for me. Um, so I was raised Lutheran. And mm -hmm. Luther loved to have that dichotomy between the law and the gospel. And the way that he talked about it was the law is anything that makes you say, oh, no. And then the gospel is anything that made you say, ah, okay. I mean, that, that's how he phrased it for his five-year-old son. And I felt as though so often throughout this translation, I felt a relieving. I felt like a loose-handedness. I wasn't trying to grip onto it. Like any, there was no worry. 
And it just seemed as though it was consistently the experience all the way through of, ah, uh, that's all. That, I'm trying to give a compliment. That's what I'm trying to do. <laughs> no, it's, I, I'm really glad and, and, and blessed that this is not, even though this was made primarily for our native people, we've discovered that it's a gift from some native oh. people to the oh. majority culture. Yeah. You know, and, and, and it's raising awareness of our native American people. You know, um, if you think nationally, just, you know, don't think worldwide, but just think in this continent, this nation, mm -hmm. can you, can you tell list, uh, Asian leaders? Do you know Asian leaders in the body of Christ? Yeah. I know Asian leaders, uh, in California, um, there's different people who have who are in the limelight, so to speak, mm -hmm. in the leadership positions, African-American, Asian-American. Mm -hmm. But you but who are the Native American people mm. in the body of Christ? Mm -hmm. And 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 so there's been just kind of this um, out of sight, out of mind. Mm. And that was the goal of the U.S. government. That's why they created the reservations was to get us away from society until they could integrate us into society and 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 so uh and so in the the gospel got mixed up into all this um but i really believe our native people can bring a perspective and maybe the first nation version is the is a begin is one of the beginnings of this i mean i i know other books that have been written that, that i can recommend to people uh from a native perspective native theologians who, who mm -hmm. follow jesus um, and they all have their place, but 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 uh, for some reason, this putting it into a scriptural uh, form here, a New Testament, yeah. has really uh, opened things up in a new way. And and I'm really blessed about that, shocked about that, humbled about that. Mm -hmm. uh, and now we're working on Psalms and Proverbs. I saw that. Yeah. And, and so, uh, you know, we're at least a couple of years there. And already I, I'm getting letters from from uh, Can Canadians and people that say we we need more. Um, we just I just found out that they're using this in Australia with the Aborigines now. Wow. Uh, there's a group, group there. There's an um, someone else is using it there. There's in Iraq. Uh, there's a, a, an indigenous tribe in Iraq. And I, I can't think of their name right now in front of me, but this indigenous, there's a a, 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 a missionary working there and he's been trying to connect, learning the language and things like that. But he got a hold of the First Nation version. They told me this. Mm -hmm. And he began to translate from the First Nation version into their language. And he says the response was amazing. Yeah they began to respond and say, oh, that makes sense to us. That, that, that speaks to the way we think. Yeah. You know? And so, so the surprise is it's beginning to impact missions in other cultures and translators are getting a hold of me now. Wycliffe translators uh, from uh, Mexico and other places are starting to take a new look at how we do translation. And the impact of colonialism on of the course. way the scriptures are translated, uh -huh. and and maybe we should avoid certain words, like we stayed away from the word sin. Why? Mm -hmm. Because sin has so many definitions and, and things, and it was a sin in boarding school. It was a sin to speak our language. It was a sin to have long hair for men. It was a sin to pray with smoke or feathers, and so. Uh, our culture became a sin, and sometimes the way we understood it, it's a sin to be an Indian. It's a sin to be Native American. And so we, we wanted to get that word out of there. Yeah. It's That's a trigger word. Yeah, it triggers uh, defensiveness. And so we just use uh, phrasing that means the same thing that the Greek word means, but we just like broken ways and bad hearts. Evil heart, yeah. Yeah. And, and, and so depending on the context, because not everybody has evil hearts. Some people are trying to do what's good, but they're just not getting there, you know? <laughs> yeah. Just not make, you know, they're shooting that 
at that target, but they keep missing. Yeah. Well, that, that's not an evil heart. That's a good heart trying to do it, that's realizing true. they need help. Yeah. But there are people who have given themselves over to evil. Mm. And they're not even trying. No. That's right. You know, and whether we try to do it's right or either way, we're in trouble. Uh-huh. Okay. Because uh-huh. we, you know, but I think a person with a bad heart's in bigger trouble, to be honest with you. <laughs> you know? Anyway. That's Perry, just so, so, I've okay. I've thoroughly enjoyed this. When okay. whenever you get the Psalms and Proverbs, I will get that, and I would love to talk to you again. I would love that. But That's, the question, yeah, the you question, had a question for me, yeah. right? And okay. it, it's to I see that you you've put out a number of other books, and you've already referenced this. Um, okay. But what would be some further readings? or things to investigate for people that are interested in First Nations theology and, and authors from your people that have really made some, what you consider really great contributions. Where should people look for some of that? What well, I can give you names, not all the titles of the books. Maybe I can remember some of the titles off the top of my head. But the person who probably impacted me more than anyone else was Richard Twist. Richard okay. Twist was a Lakota man. He's Now he's walked on. He, he passed, crossed over, uh, but he, he wrote a couple books. The first one was One Church, Many Tribes. Mm. That's mm-hmm. an excellent book if you want to understand following Jesus from a Native perspective. Mm-hmm. And, and then secondly, he wrote a book called Rescuing Theology from the Cowboys. Oh, I saw that one. That yeah, was that, very good. That's really good if you want to get more into uh, theology uh, mm-hmm. and going a little deeper. Um, another guy is, uh, is Tinker. Um, his last name is Tinker. Um, he wrote, uh, Missionary Conquest. Uh, he, he wrote, um, George Tinker. Um, he wrote Spirit and Resistance. And he was the theologian. He's a believer in Jesus, but he really goes deeply into, into the native culture and way of thinking mm-hmm. to say, Here's how our native people would see things. And we got our idea for how to translate kingdom of God from his book, Spirit of Resistance. I actually, you'll, you'll see in the translation, the, the uh, reference that uh, from George Tinker, uh, on calling the kingdom of God, the good road. Oh yeah. You know, so, so uh, he's a good one. Um, if you want to get someone who does not bring a Christian perspective, but who understands the Christian perspective, is um, a Vine Deloria Jr. And the book I think every uh, every preacher ought to read, especially if you're going to do work with Native people, is his his book called Custer Died for Your Sins. Custer okay? Died for Your Sins. Yeah. And that that book actually launched the American Indian Movement. Okay, and he has a chapter in there on missionaries and anthropologists. Uh, and, and I tell you what, you read that chapter and you'll re, you'll begin to rethink how to bring the gospel to people. That's lovely. Because he really, from an outsider's perspective, he really calls us out on it. so many things, Christians out on so many things. And we need that. We need to be called out when we're doing things the wrong way. And when we're, when we're bringing more harm than good, mm-hmm. and that's what happened with our people. More harm than good was brought to us, even by the missionaries. Mm-hmm. You know, so. I think those are a good place to start, those books and authors. Oh, one more. Randy <laughs> Woodley. Randy Woodley. Okay. Uh, Randy Woodley's Cherokee, and he's a theologian. Um, He has written several books uh, on native spirituality, uh, on a native way of a native perspective, um, you know, and actually um, um, he wrote a book called Living in Color, uh, where he really challenges the church on ethnicity and um, and different things. Uh, um, just he's a, a really thoughtful um, author mm-hmm. and uh, he actually lives in Oregon uh, on Elohe village and he's actually uh, 
got a, a group of people who are reconnecting to the earth, reconnecting oh. to what it means to be a person who lives in harmony with our environment, you know, and, and stuff like that. So uh, he not only uh, preaches it, he he's doing his best to live hey, it, you know. That sounds like shalom in a deep way. It is. Elohe Heal talks about it is is the the Cherokee way uh, equivalent to Shalom. Uh, Terry, this has been a highlight of my month. Thank you so much. Thank you. I, uh, I, I actually am looking at my clock right here and it says we're hitting 5930 in this moment. Oh, wow. okay. So this hour flew by and uh, I very much appreciate your time. So thank you for, for fielding my questions. And I, in full honesty, I really think that this, this translation is a real gift. So thank you. Miigwech. Thank you for listening. Okay. <laughs>